Our mandate is to create that impact before profits. And how can you create impact if you're only delivering the solution to people who use a financial advisor? Where 48% of Americans prefer to manage their own money. What Halo really stands for, it's about serving our people internally and serving the people externally. You know, we're all a part of something much, much bigger than just our jobs. Welcome to the Beyond Capital Podcast. In our purpose-driven world, leadership is increasingly crucial. Now more than ever, stakeholders are demanding the integration of social values and causes in everything from shoes to soap to investment. We are bringing you the stories of leaders that are marrying profit with purpose. I'm Eva Yazari, CEO of Beyond Capital. And I'm Ed Stevens, CEO of Appreciate. And this is the Beyond Capital Podcast. Today's guest is Jason Barsima. Jason is the co-founder and president of Halo Investing, a technology platform that makes structured financial products more accessible. Halo lets you customize the return, protection, maturity, and underlying exposure of your investments. Welcome, Jason. Let's dive in. Hi, thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It would be great to learn a little bit more from you on what Halo does, perhaps digging in a little bit into the details, and we'll ask you some more specific questions around how to protect your assets, how to reduce exposure. But at a high level, why did you start your company and what is the business model? At the end of the day, you know, Halo is about bringing investment protection to the masses. So when we started the company in 2015, it wasn't about making the product that, that you're talking about, structured notes, more efficient for rich people so they could get better returns on their portfolios. It was really about delivering such an important investment concept of adding uh, you know, investment protection in the portfolio to investors of all wallet sizes across the world. Our main mission at Halo is really delivering impact before profits. And the problem that we saw in the environment is that most investors have access to stocks, they have access to bonds, and they don't have access to anything in between. And why that's really important is that when you look at financial crises that we saw like in 2008 or 2009, when you see the impact coronavirus has had, you know, on the equity markets, um, you know, as recently as February and March, people's portfolios can take a drawdown so quickly. And without that insurance, just like the reason why we have insurance on our house and our car and everything else, it's so important to have that insurance within the portfolio and, and help people sleep a little bit better at night. So how does a structured product act like insurance for a portfolio? It's a great question. So, at a high level, structured products are basically an investment tool that's issued by large banks like JP Morgan, like Morgan Stanley, like Credit Suisse. I always like to joke that structured products are probably the biggest market most people have never heard of. It's a $3 trillion market globally with over $1 trillion of structured notes getting issued every single year around the world. In the United States, it's a relatively new product and a relatively unknown product. So about 60 to $70 billion of structured notes get issued in this country every single year versus about $950 billion get issued around the world. So huge market, speci uh, specifically in Europe and, and in Asia. Now for, for us is, in answering your question, is how do they add investment protection? The structured products are created to give investors a level of downside investment protection against market decline. So when you look at kind of the inside of a structured note, I think of a structured note as kind of like a candy wrapper. And that candy wrapper is made up of a zero coupon bond that's issued by the bank and an options package. And that options package gives that investor that level of downside investment protection. So if the market falls, you know, the investor doesn't have to worry about losing money on his or her investment. And where does somebody buy one of these from? 
Today, or I should say prior to Halo, you'd have to talk to our private bankers. So what's interesting is structured products were really only uh, made available in, in the United States to high net worth and institutional investors. And so specifically, 92% of structured products were sold through private banks. Now, the problem is to be a private banking customer, you got to be wealthy. Right. And when you look at kind of the problems that we're trying to solve of adding protection into portfolios who really need it to get through retirement and adding income into portfolios, which structure notes also do, who really need that income to get through retirement, they don't have access to this product. And so what technology has done and what Halo has done is be able to simplify and streamline a lot of the processes in regards to how banks manufacture this product and how they distribute this product. And so Halo is really a marketplace that connects financial advisors of all wallet sizes to 27 of the world's largest issuers. And so these advisors can come on our platform. We can deliver into any custodian that the advisor works with. They can not only be connected to these issuers to buy the product, but we offer a full suite of analytics and risk and portfolio fit tools. Because in my, my opinion too, on, this, on the structured product side was it wasn't just about accessibility, it was about information. You know, the problems that I really had with structured products were, again, accessibility is one of them, but it was really the fees, the liquidity, the transparency of the product just wasn't there, right? The fees were really high, the products aren't transparent. They can often be complex because of the high fees. And what technology does is just allows us to streamline a lot of these processes, remove a lot of the complexities of the product, and most importantly, deliver it to investors um, all around the world at $1,000 minimums. So are you trying to say that, like, let's say that I'm, you know, 64 years old and I'm a you know, three months before my retirement, I've got my portfolio and then I, then I retire and my plan was to buy a sailboat after I retired and then go sail around the Bahamas for, you know, a year. <laughs> Sounds nice. Right. And so if I, if I don't have any structured products and the market happens to crash right at that time, then I might be like, oh, eventually the market will go back up again. But my issue is that I'm 65 right now and I'm in good health, and I want to buy my sailboat right now, I don't want to wait a year or two for the markets to recover back to the point where that kind of purchase would make sense for me. Is that what you're saying this would allow me to do? At the end of the day, and, and I think uh, you're making a very interesting point, right? At the end of the day, structured products allow you to have that comfort in your life and the stability within the investment portfolio. What you're talking about is what they say in economics and in finance called the sequence of returns risk. And as we were talking about offline, I, you know, I don't want to dive too deep into the wonky of sequence of returns risk, but it's exactly of what you just talked about. And at the end of the day, right, and the market goes up about eight and a half percent on average when you look at the you know, history of the S&P 500. But you know, that history is over a very long period of time. We don't have that period of time within our own investment portfolios in our time horizon, right? What only matters is when you start investing and when you need that capital. And if you hit one of those pockets, like take, for example, 1999 up to 2009, the market was flat, zero over a 10 year period. Most of us cannot afford to make 0% and actually a negative return when you include inflation on our portfolios over a 10 year period of time. So what structured products do is they help add that investment protection in to help cushion against those body blows. So you're not taking the, the huge fallouts from you know, market declines but they can also provide you the income and the and a stability of returns in those portfolios to help meet your investment objectives, whether it's just getting through retirement or buying your sailboat and sailing around the Caribbean. Thank you for unpacking that for us. I, I want to share a personal experience. About 10 years ago, I was a client of a private bank in Switzerland, had an entrepreneurial group. So they kind of identified young talent and allowed for, for accounts you know, at perhaps at lower minimums than your regular private bank. And our client advisor sold us some structured products and 
I don't know if it was the time of the market or, you know, it just didn't kind of work in our favor, but my husband and I concluded that they were just a way for that bank to make additional fees. And I, I don't mean to be skeptical. I know that you have really thought through all the pain points when it comes to structured products. So I would love if you could just help shed light on that because it wasn't something I could ask my client advisor at that time directly. I think I wouldn't have had a genuine response, but would love to hear from you now. 10 years later to help illuminate perhaps why that wasn't the right product or what Halo is doing better. No, I, I think that that's a great comment. And, and as we always say, I think it's important to understand all aspects of any financial tool we're going to use in our portfolio, whether it's a stock, whether it's a bond, whether it's a structured note, whether it's a, you know, alternative investment fund. Right. And so my problems with structured notes. So as a little bit of, of my background, as, as you may know, I was a portfolio manager at Credit Suisse where I managed portfolios for ultra high net worth individuals and institutions prior to founding Halo. And so while my portfolios were soup to nuts of stocks and bonds and alternatives and everything in between structured products were about 20% of my portfolio allocations. In theory, I think there one of the most elegant products you could possibly use. But to your point, in practice, they can be one of the most inefficient tools I've ever seen in my life. And a lot of that is because of the manual nature that these products are packaged and constructed and manufactured. And so the breaking it down, the problems that I have with structured products, which we're talking a little bit about earlier, is that the fees were exorbitantly high, right? When you on you know, peel back the onion, you can see five to seven percentage points of fees in these products. Moreover, is that they bury those fees into the terms of the product. So the advisor and the investor don't really know how much they're actually getting charged. And, and I always like to say fees are okay. You know, we all have to do things for profit or, or the business won't last, but I just need to know what I'm paying. Right. And I think that that's part of your point too, is you thought and knew that there was a bunch of fees within the product, but no one was telling you how much there actually was. My other problems with the product, which, you know, Halo solves is the liquidity of the product, right? If you wanted to sell your structure note prior to maturity, you could only sell it back to the issuer. You don't need to be an economics major to understand a one-sided market is probably not an efficient market. So if they're putting all these fees in at the beginning of the product, when you buy it, and then they're putting all these fees in when you want to sell it early, that's not fair either. And then it gets back to you know, the transparency and the transparency of the products as you found out firsthand just wasn't there. And so what technology and what Halo really tried to do was two things to the structured product market. And we've successfully done this now as we operate across five continents you know, around the world and we serve thousands and thousands and thousands of financial advisors is that we were here to democratize the product. So the firefighter, the teacher, the police officer, the veteran all had access to investment protection, which they desperately need to get through retirement and income that they desperately need to get through retirement. But it's also about disrupting the product through technology to remove a lot of those fees. So my technology can help is think of it almost like uh, Henry Ford's assembly line for structured products. So with my technology, we automate the manufacturing process removing up to 60% of the cost to manufacture a structured note. And what the banks do is that they can put a little bit of those savings in regards to extra margin in their pocket, but they also pass those savings onto the customer in regards to lower investment sizes and better investment terms. And so that's really what we try to unpack with this kind of bespoke product is for people to be able to know exactly what they pay and be able to have the fees be significantly less without the banks having to sacrifice their margins too much. The other point that I'd like to make that it's not, you know, directly to your question, but I do think it's important to the audience are why do banks issue structured products, right? Is it just because of the fees? Well, that is one reason, but to be fair to the banks, it's actually not the primary reason why banks issue structured products. The primary reason that they issue structured products is that it's a very cheap form of debt 
in a very sticky form of deposits for the bank. So the interest rate that they pay on that zero coupon bond is typically less than what they would pay if they went out to market with that with that bond outright, if you're just to buy a regular coupon bearing bond, right? So for the bank, it's a very cheap form of debt and it's a sticky form of deposits because they count positively towards tier one capital. And again, we don't need to get into what tier one capital is, but those are the primary reasons that banks offer these products. And of course, for the fees, but if you actually look at it, banks don't make that much on the product. The fees are really high, but their costs are so high that their margins aren't great. My technology allows them to keep those margins and bring down the fees so everybody wins from the investor to the bank. So do you serve just advisors and banks or do some individuals or family offices get access as well? It's a great question. So today, Halo serves banks, financial advisors, and family offices, right? So when we started the company five years ago, when we launched, we actually, our original launch and our go-to-market strategy was for the independent RA market. In the United States, that is my core market. So about 65% of our customers in the United States are independent RIAs. So the wealth managers that might custody at Fidelity, Schwab, TD, and Pershing. And then that had some really profound success in the RA market because they didn't really have access to structured products before Halo and kind of the big private banks and broker dealers caught on and said, well, gosh, if you can get someone like a financial advisor, an RIA who's fee-based and has no economic incentive to buy a structured note on behalf of their client to understand these products and want these products in the portfolio, think about what you can do in the broker dealer space, which is the predominant space that structured products are distributed in. And so that's when we took it to the broker dealer space. And and that was also very successful. Now, Halo's next chapter and next generation is really bringing this down to the consumer. So the three of us, which has been, you know, nobody's done this anywhere in the world. The three of us will be able to go into our app store, download the Halo app and buy structured notes directly because there's many of us who don't prefer to work with a financial advisor and that's okay. Our mandate again, and to emphasize is to create that impact before profits. And how can you create impact if you're only delivering the solution to people who use a financial advisor or 48% of Americans prefer to manage their own money? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned stress around finances and helping people relieve stress around finances is one of the underlying goals of your company. Have you had frank discussion with wealth managers, broker dealers, other client advisors around what might be causing stress or how they how they can also be a part of that solution? We have that question all too often, right? And I think again that's what I take pride in as, you know, Halo has seen some phenomenal growth in transaction volumes uh, over the years, but in particular this year. So to put that in perspective, you know, we're not even halfway through the year and we already traded as much this year as we did the entire year last year. And we're one of the fastest growing companies in, in fintech right now. And so that's, you know, the numbers are really big. And I think what I take pride in is that while our business is doing well and I and it's the amount of people who are unemployed in this country is adding up more and more and more and more, I take pride that we are creating that positive impact and bringing some comfort around one of the fallouts of the coronavirus, which is the impact in our personal investment portfolios, right? And so we have these conversations with advisors all the time, which is, what do I do? And it wasn't just because of the coronavirus. It was over the last few years where you're seeing equity markets at all-time highs and you're seeing bond yields at all-time lows, and now even lower with the 10-year treasury trading around 65 basis points. And even just taking into account the three of us and all the listeners who are listening right now, what are we doing in our portfolios? My family's got a family office. I face the same challenges that everybody else does, which is 
from an investment allocation side, which is I don't want to put fresh capital into the equity markets right now, given, you know, yes, we pulled back 35%, but now we've made a lot of that up and we're still near all time highs. I don't want to put my money in bonds at a 65 basis point yield on a 10 year treasury. I don't want to buy alternatives like hedge funds or venture capital, given where some of the valuations are. So we're all facing these problems. And these are the problems that my team at Halo will deal with advisors directly of, again, I need something to kind of bridge that risk gap because maybe I'm wrong on the equity markets. Maybe the equity markets keep on going up. Well, the benefit of structured products is that we can offer that level of downside investment protection while still having advisors participate in the upside of the market. So I like to use these tools personally right now. And this is what a lot of advisors have been using of saying, okay, none of us have a crystal ball. Some equity indices are off 10 to 15% off the highs. Maybe this is a good entry point as we're kind of getting out of the coronavirus shutdown. And so this is a way for me to get into the market with the comfort of knowing that I have protection on the downside in case I'm early, right? And, and those are really the challenges that our advisors are facing right now of just saying, what do I do to make sure that I keep returns in the portfolio you know, consistent and in the black while making sure that I protect the downside if the economic impact of the virus is worse than we than we all expect, at least according to the equity markets. I can hear the passion in your voice. Structured products are something that I feel very passionate about because one, you know, my family, we've been invested in the product for almost 15 years and 25% of my own allocation is in the product. It always has, it has been for the last 15 years and they have personally saved my neck in 2008 and 2009, during the Euro crisis within 2011, 2012. And they've also helped achieve the level of, or the rate of return that my family wants to achieve, which is 6%. That's my family's mandate. Sounds simple, right? As we were talking about earlier, you know, Ed and I have, okay, eight and a half percent returns over the life of the stock market. As any advisor listening to this or any individual listening to this, eight and a half percent and even 6% is not easy when you look at a fully diversified portfolio over the last 10 years. What I loved about this product is that it helped me have that confidence because again, we don't have a crystal ball. It, it gives me that protection and that confidence in the portfolio that if the markets decline, I don't have to worry at night. And it doesn't matter of how big your wallet size is, you still worry about your wealth because your wealth is what you're either saving for and trying to spend during retirement or passing on to your next generation. And I don't care if you have a dollar or a hundred million dollars, you worked really you know, pardon my language, but you are damn hard for that money. And so it's our job. And that's what I love about what we do is that we protect it. So you don't hit the sell button, as you saw with a lot of other technology platforms over the last two months of the massive influx of people wanting to sell when the market's already down 35%. Let's take a turn and talk about Jason. Uh Oh, <laughs> I think you might be more interesting than the structured products, but let's find out. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I, I beg to differ. I'm not a, that interesting. I'm just a private banker. Okay. Well, let's, let's dig in and start off with your morning routine. It's something we ask all of our guests. We're always interested to know what gets you fired up, what gets you moving and ready to take on your day. It's a great question. I, I would say, you know, two things in, in my life of, of being an entrepreneur, right? Is that I think the feeling that you get of just knowing that it's not even of trying to be your own boss, because as you know, you're not your own boss when you're an entrepreneur, right? And you work harder than you've ever worked before. Everyone always says, oh, you have so much independence when you're an entrepreneur. I work over a hundred hours a week and I've done that for five straight years. I love what I do, which gets to the point of what really gets me going and gets me ready for the day is the passion and the impact of what I'm doing. And maybe structured products doesn't create that same passion impact for everybody, 
right? But it certainly does for me and the overall, like I said, impact that we're trying to create in the world. And, and that's really how I like to start you know, my day is thinking about what we are trying to do to leave the world a better place because that's what I'm really driven by. I'm also driven a lot by my faith. And I think that two of those are tied, you know, together of the impact that we're trying to create in the world and also, you know, using our, my faith and to make the right decisions for, you know, the people who work at Halo, you know, the people that we serve, which are our customers and just society in general. And so I think using those two as my personal internal compass helps guide the direction the decisions that I make, not just as a company level, but on a personal level day by day. Now for the most important question. As you're getting revved up in the morning, coffee, tea, or caffeine free? Coffee. I uh, I will say that I have a my my uh, my crutch is a venti coffee with a with a shot of espresso um, as we work long hours, and so uh, that is that is the way that I start my day. I I candidly, when I wake up, I I try to make it a habit if I don't look at my email because I feel like it brings a lot of anxiety to me when I look down at my phone when I wake up and there's already. 50 emails in my inbox. So I, I don't look at my email until you know I have a chance to kind of think about my day. I like to reflect on my day. So as soon as you know, answer your early question more specifically, when I get up, I, I reflect. So I spend 15 minutes as soon as I wake up. Typically, I try to turn the lights off or go someplace where I have some just quiet time and just think about my day. What do I need to accomplish You know, throughout my day? I try to choose three major things. Of course, we do a lot more than three things during the day, but I try to choose three things that hell or high water, I need to make sure that I get done and that I really want to achieve. And so that's how I really start my day is that reflection. And then I go into my emails and everything else. And that's helped me a lot manage the anxiety and stress of just of running a startup and, and running an early stage company. But the coffee certainly helps too. So you're running a, a growing company. You said it's one of the fastest growing companies in fintech. How do you bring purpose into the organization? What does that look like for you? It's a great question and something that we've been reflecting a lot actually over the last month as Halo, certainly our, our core mission as you know, now I've probably said 50 times on, on the podcast is impact before profits, but something that we've all been doing is this exercise of getting the buy-in from all of our employees. So, you know, a few weeks ago, we reached out to every Halo employee around the world and said, what does Halo mean to you, right? What makes you proud to work at Halo and what would make you even more proud to work at Halo and really help drive a kind of our mission and our value statements internally to our employees as we are we are all stewards of our business. Every Halo employee owns equity in the company and, and we take great pride in that. So we're all rowing in the right direction. But what does Halo mean to the community? And I think that that means something different to everybody and, and something that I've always really taken affection to is Johnson, uh, J&J's mission statement that they created back in the late 1800s. And really it all, and it's the J&J creed, uh, I highly encourage everyone to read it because I think it's really profound and impactful to any entrepreneur or any leader. But at the end of the day, it stems around their people. And so, you know, I just think from when we're looking at what Halo really stands for, it's about serving our people internally and serving the people externally, getting out and doing community service. I'm not here to dictate which charities, which profits, what that means to you, right? And the community service is is personal. It's what's important to you. It's not necessarily what's important to me, right? And and so we encourage and want to enable our employees to get out and serve the community and at the end of the day, leave the world a better place than how we found it. And that's really what we stand for from a values perspective. You've also said that there's more to life than just making money. How does that play out in your life? 
I think that life is about building testimonies and not titles, right? So when I was a little bit younger at Credit Suisse, I worked really, really hard. I was a good soldier, arose to the ranks relatively quickly. I was very blessed and fortunate to have a great leadership team and a great management team and great mentors at Credit Suisse that built the foundation of, of who I am today, outside of a lot of advisors and mentors that you know I've surrounded myself with. And when I was kind of early on, I was always trying to be more impact focused more than profit because, you know, again, growing up in Silicon Valley, my dad, you know, used to share with me a lot of different stories about the Valley, including one about Google, right? When you know, Larry and Sergey, when they started Google, you know, it wasn't about making billions of dollars. It was about democratizing access to information, right? And to make information accessible to everybody. That's all they cared about. And so that's really, I think what drove me, you know, still at the early stage, I was really concerned about, okay, rising through the corporate ladder. I, you know, from day one at Credit Suisse, we had these personal development plans that we all had to fill out on a quarterly basis. And my first day on the job, which I joined Credit Suisse right out of college, was I wanted to be the global CEO. And, and that was always my mission. And that's what I wanted to do. And then something, and I don't know if it was an epiphany or what, but something just kind of slapped me across the face and said, if I got hit by the proverbial bus, you know, what's the legacy that I'm leaving behind, right? What would be on my tombstone? Not to be too morbid, but that Jason Barcima was a great private banker that he made the rich richer, maybe. And that's also important because a lot of wealthy people contribute to the endowments and foundations. And, and that's a very important part, but that's not who I was. And so I wanted to solve a bigger problem and I wanted to solve a really important problem that I only thought, or that I thought that only I could solve. And that was really about democratizing structured products, right? And so, you know, for me, I want to leave the testimony to the world that yes, Jason, heads or tails, I tried and I gave my best to leave the world a better place than how I found it. And that's why I encourage all people at Halo and, and everybody even listening. It doesn't mean you have to change the world. It could just be your little community, but you know, we're all a part of something much, much bigger than just our jobs. I couldn't agree more. In conclusion and in closing, Tell us the vision for Halo and where we should expect it or look for it in five years from now. It's a great question. And so, you know, for us, it's about our three kind of core missions or our three core strategies over the next 18 months or so, which will extend into the five years is adding more products to, to our marketplace. So today we're structured products, but that's just one way to achieve investment protection within the portfolio. So we're adding structured ETFs into the portfolio right now, which um, are another efficient and interesting way to add downside investment protection within your portfolios. We're adding annuities, which suffer from a lot of the same optics and fee and transparency problems that structured notes do. And so really diversifying that product set, you know, again, focusing on direct to consumer. I think, you know, if you look out five years from now, 70% of the value that our company creates is from direct to consumer, because I really want to be able to touch and impact the client directly. And then number three is, is for us is, we're doing some really cool initiatives within blockchain and smart contracts that will completely change the game for structured products. So in the not so distant future, yeah, structured products will not just be issued by banks. They'll be issued by corporations like Apple. They'll be issued by municipalities like the state of Florida. They'll be issued by the United States government. And really anyone who can issue a bond can issue a structured product. And economically, I think that that's a very powerful statement because it provides all of us one more competition in the space because while yes, we bring 27 issuers on our platform, they're all banks, right? And so I think it brings more competition into the market, brings more transparency in the market and just as important brings issuer diversification into the marketplace. And I think it also does a lot for the issuers where you look at states and municipalities right now, they're in a very challenging, you know, pun intended, state 
right? As you look at their funding uh, needs and obligations, it's it's scary out there. And so I think this can solve a, a very important purpose. But for us, it's really to be this e-commerce platform of protective investing product. Thank you so much, Jason. It was really great to have you to shed light on this topic. I think it was something that I certainly learned a lot during this episode, and I'm really grateful that you were able to share with our audience. Well, I really appreciate you having me and something that I'd like to point out to your listeners and something that what I really liked about this podcast, because we do a lot of TV, we do a lot of podcasts, and they're usually always on structured products. But what I loved about this is that you get to talk about the personal side. And most importantly, I think it's just interesting to dive in kind of on what drives us as entrepreneurs and, and some of the impact that we all want to create in the world, no matter what industry that you're in. Your energy is apparent and I'm looking forward to seeing a further expansion on the access side and also what you do on the blockchain and making it possible for more issuers. I think that that could be a really interesting angle. So way to go. Well, thank you both very much for having me. It was a privilege and an honor. And, uh, and you know, I look forward to obviously listening to more of your podcasts. Cool, man. We hope you enjoy all 30 plus of them. And counting. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Once again, it's clear that a business leader with good intentions can create an impressive social, environmental, and ethical impact. There is always a way to put meaning behind the mission of a company, and we can all make a difference. You've taken the first step by listening to the Beyond Capital podcast. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate, review, and if you haven't yet, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information, go to beyondcapitalpodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter at EA Stevens. And follow me on Instagram at Conscious Investor. Until next time. Bye, everyone.